Hey Nate, you know what I've got on my mind right now? What do you got? Well, about a month ago, the finale of the show Succession, mm. I watched it, I enjoyed it. It was a four-year journey. Yep. And uh, in that show, the premise of that show is that there is a family that owns this enormous business and the the children of the father in, you know, who owns and started this company are deciding who is going to replace him once he retires or worse. Okay. This is a thought I think that should be on everyone's mind. And I think isn't on very many people's minds because in, in, in a way, what I've noticed with a lot of school owners, studio owners is that they see their business as a way that they make their income. It's, yep. it's the way that they make their cash and they have no longer term vision for the succession plan, so to speak. They have no longer-term vision for how they're going to leave the business. To put it simply, what's the exit strategy for the business? Right. You know, you're in, you're in the midst of the first year of Brooklyn Music Factory's new location. Mm-hmm. This has been on your mind. I know that's why we're doing this episode. And in fact, this is such an important topic. Next week, we're having Jeff Homer back on the show to talk mm-hmm. about if you do want to sell your school, what are the things that you, sh- you need to know about your school in terms of its value and that sort of thing so that you can properly prepare for that. But for this week, I think the topic we want to cover is exit strategy, what your plan is, why it's important, why it's important, even if you've never thought about it. Yep. And in general, why would you sell your school? Could you sell your school? Well, also understanding that selling your school is one option. Yes. As we... As those of us that we're gonna are gonna make it through four seasons of succession are gonna see, it's one of a myriad of options. <laughs> Let's just understand that you and I have agreed right now that we're gonna we're gonna focus mostly on this idea of we want to pre- prepare our school to sell eventually. Absolutely, okay, and so, so and so yeah. So welcome back to the podcast. It's me. It's Nate. Yep. We're helping you in your quest to run a mission-driven school, a school with a plan, a school that grows or stays the same if that's what you want. And we're exploring all potentialities and we've given a ringing endorsement of succession here. I do recommend that show if you want to combine drama, humor, and business. If you like (laughs) three of those things, you're going to love that show. Uh, But let's get into it, Nate, and talk about uh, succession planning, exit strategy, all that sort of thing. And I think to start out... um, Let's just say that by the end of this episode, you will have a solid set of rules and questions that you can ask yourself to determine what your exit strategy for your business looks like. Okay. Now, to start with, I think let's talk about the rules of creating the strategy. And, you know, I'm going to defer to Nate on the color commentary on some of these rules. I'm just going to kind of give the rules objectively here, real fast boom, 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 so that you kind of have these in mind. Um, when we get into the actual rules, I'm really going to defer to Nate there because this is something that he's thought an awful lot of, about. But in terms of the rules, um, just keep these in mind. You want to stay objective. Don't get overly emotional or overly attached to the business. Stay objective. Be honest about uh, the value of your school. Um, stay objective about what it means for your future. Um, reverse engineer the retirement that you want. Look, you might be 60, you're thinking about that. You might be 20 or 30, and that seems very far off, but it is something to to be thinking about now. In fact, it's probably more important now if you're in your 20s or your 30s to be yeah. thinking about it than if you're 60 and listening to this. Understand that no one else can do this for you. No one can create the exit strategy for you. This is deeply personal. This is something that you've got to decide for for yourself. There are objective things out there in the world, like the value of your school or who would be willing to buy your school and your geography at this time and in this place? You know, there's all that sort of thing. But understand that this is a, a, a kind of a personal process. And Nate's really going to get into that when he gets into his part of things. Um, get clear on what it is that you want. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I think this is going to be better for that first question that you handle, Nate. But do you want to sell it? Um, do you want to pass it down to family? Do you want to sell to an employee? Um, do you want to close it down and liquidate? That's one that I that's that's one that I actually personally yeah, took yeah. advantage of. Yep. Totally. Do you want to die with your school? That sounds a little yeah. um Egyptian. <laughs> the pharaohs <laughs> being buried with their entire fortune with them. <laughs> right, totally. You know. Um, but uh, you know, so get clear on what you want. Um and then um understand that there will be an end and it's coming. Uh and that isn't supposed to be a morbid comment. It's just that, you know, time marches on and you have to be very, very clear that uh, deferring or delaying this 
doesn't make it easier. So you might as well do it now. And it is one of those responsibilities as a business owner that you really do have to understand and take the mantle of in the same way that I have people who come to me and say, oh, I really don't like marketing. I guess I'll begrudgingly do this. Hey, listen, you got to fall in love with marketing your school. You've got to fall in love with sales. If you want to be a business owner and you want to experience the full range of joy and happiness and career and success fulfillment, you can't just focus on one thing only. There are right. some baseline foundational things that have to be done right off the top to uh, to, to um, have the kind of career you want, I think. So just understand that I don't think these things are optional. So having said that, Nate, let me just throw this over to you. You had a number of questions that you personally went through. You're going to present them to folks. I think you're even going to talk about maybe some of the answers that you came up with, which I think will be helpful and motivational, inspirational for people who are listening. So take it away. Yeah. So I think the first thing you want to fundamentally ask yourself, and this is the type of episode, Daniel, where for our listeners, you definitely want to like take out your notepad, take some notes, write these questions down, whether or not you have the bandwidth to answer them today, or it's like you're going to wait till your annual planning definitely write this stuff down. Like Daniel yeah. just gave you a punch list of all the possible outcomes. Get that sucker down on paper somewhere. Put it in your Evernote. Mm-hmm. Um, bookmark so, this podcast episode. Bookmark the blog post that it's on. Just come back to it at some point. Yeah. 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 Come back to it. Whether you can do it now or not, is that's not the point. The point is that you're interested enough that you're going to take notes and you're going to say, I know this is this is important for me. So um, the first thing that we ask ourselves, Daniel, is just like, what are we actually ultimately growing our business for, right? And that gets back to your exit strategy question. So there is going to be an outcome of your business. Whether you're willing to spend any time thinking about it or not right now, it will come to pass, right? So you have to ask yourself, are you, just, are you growing a business um, just for continued employment, which is a valid reason? Like Daniel, you talked about closing down and liquidating your studio at, I think it was um, 20... 19. 19, thank you. And that was, you had great employment. You were great at what you did. You learned a ton. And when it was time to move on to your next opportunity, you said, I'm closing this down. I don't need to actually spend any more of my creative and entrepreneurial energy into it. I'm moving on. Agreed. Right? So... Um, continued employment is fine if that's your objective, but understand that you are you are actually committing to that. You're saying this is what it needs to do is continue to employ me, right? The next one is this idea of succession. Like I've got a 23-year-old who's an amazing singer. I have a 20-year-old who's also a great musician. Like, of course, there's a part of me that would love for them to take over the business at some point. I don't think it's actually probably in the cards for them. I don't think they have the interest necessarily. Mm. Um, however, that might be your plan. And that's a beautiful one. But mm. you, you're going to want to organize your business in such a way that you're setting them up for success. right? I certainly don't want to hand off to my 23-year-old daughter a um, business that's in total chaos and say, good wow. luck. Yeah. You know? Uh, next thing is, is that you know, is it going to be acquired and sold? And we're going to focus mostly on that. Um, and then finally, just is this, this is the thing that's really resonated for me, is, is, is your studio actually a launch pad for a new business? And Daniel, I'd say actually that's where you, well, I, when I thought about this question, I thought about you. I think you had a really successful studio. It generated a lot of creative ideas for you. And then you recognized in yourself, like, man, I can really be of benefit in this other channel. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like a launch pad. I mean, wouldn't you agree it was kind of a launch pad for grow? For me, and I think I tell the story because I do think it can be valuable for people listening, because there are an awful lot of people that have thought beyond that I've worked with personally that have thought beyond their current business and said, Hey, mm-hmm. what else do I have inside of me? Yeah. For me, I designed the studio in such a way that it didn't take up the majority of my time. You know, that's the whole group lessons thing. Yeah. Didn't take the majority of my time. It had very low expenses and I was making a lot of money from it. Like the kind of money that mm. that I have a lot of people come to me and say like, hey, that's what I want to get to. That's where I was at. And since it took up so little of my time, I actually did have the ability to build all these other things that I'm doing now. And, um, you know, when it was time to put it down, it was sad. It was hard. Mm. But mm. yeah, it was that launch pad for me. 
even though, and I'll just say this and I'll, and then I'll be done, but I didn't even see it as a launch pad at the time. Right. I just built it to be the best thing it could be. And that ended up being the launch pad that I needed. I really thought that I was going to be teaching piano and music into my sixties and that I would mm-hmm. have these other side hustles that I was doing on the side. And mm. it just turned out that where I, the thing that really took off and blew up for me happened to be my industry. There's a lot of things I did outside of the music education industry prior to starting Grow Your Music Studio and 7FMS and grouplessons.com and all that stuff. Like there's all yep. that, like, I, yeah, I'm not going to even get into all that right now. It's just that I thought I was going to be a multi yeah, like career kind of guy. And it just ended up not turning out that way. But Again, to your point, Nate, I built something that allowed me a lot of flexibility. So I was thinking about an exit strategy, even though I kind of wasn't. Well, I think that this, you know, you raised the point, which is that we, uh, I, much like you, never thought of Brooklyn Music Factory as a launch pad to something else, with with one exception that I'll get into later in the app. Um, But it turns out, like in your case, as I've gotten to know you, really well over the last, you know, in the years that we've been working together, it's like not surprising at all to me that a lot of the input you give to, you know, our seven FMS clients and this podcast is around like systems. And then of course, around marketing and sales, which I think you're really, really strong in. But so you were just always working in that systems mindset. And then, you know, fast forward many years, now we're realizing like, oh, that's actually really beneficial to a lot of uh, listeners because not everybody goes into business with that same mindset. So we're, we're gathering, you know, we're able to benefit in new ways. Yeah. And that's actually really what's at the heart of this episode is that even if you don't think you need quote unquote, an exit strategy episode, this is really, this is really about building a business that does give you a lot of options. And if you think long-term, whether it's to selling the business, giving it to a family member, selling to an employee, like whatever, (laughs) Doing this work now makes you more clear on the work that needs to be done. It gives you a North Star to point your ship towards, so to speak. And then you end up having a really smooth, efficient business that isn't very stressful, that that runs well. And then again, it just gives you options. Gives us options, yeah. And as, yeah. as my wife, Jessica, always says to our children, listen, it's much better to have options and choices rather than to find yourself left with somebody else giving you one choice. Yeah. You know? Um, so, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out question number one, which I'm going to repeat again for the benefit of our note takers. What are you current, what are you ultimately, not currently, ultimately growing your business for? Um, the last item that's on there, which is we hear about all the time, like in, like, you know, Silicon Valley lore is like world domination. Maybe you're actually growing your studio with the intent of becoming, you know, the largest music school in the country. Yeah. Like that's also a totally viable option. Well, and it's at least your city, you know? Yeah. Or your city or your town or whatever, just like you want to dominate this market. Um, and that's, you know, good on ya. So uh, question number two is, how much longer do you plan to occupy your role and work in your current capacity? I think that's a, I'll say that again. How much longer do you actually plan to occupy whatever roles you have in your company? Likely you have multiple roles and work in your current capacity. So this is a huge one for me because I'm going to get to this in a moment when we just, when I, I'm going to actually literally read you my answers from about three years ago. Um, just so you get a snapshot of of where my mind was in in early 2020. Um, but you need to know yourself. Like if you're clocking 13-hour days right now on your studio and you're director of marketing and sales, plus you're teaching five days a week, plus you're running payroll, so now you've got all these different hats you're wearing, you do need to be able to clearly answer the question, how much longer can you actually sustain all these roles and this level of, of effort? Nate, I think the thing about this question, I hear this, I'm not even sure how I'd answer this currently for myself. Yeah, yeah. This is a hard question to answer. And I can collectively feel the stress coming from the audience or the watchers <laughs> of like, 
oh man, we're asking the real hard questions here. Let me just give one bit of advice that came to my mind that um, I heard this in two separate spots. I heard this in Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One. And then I heard this in a training with uh, Perry Marshall, who's like a great granddaddy of internet marketing like yeah, from the totally. early 2000s and such a great guy uh, and really smart at marketing, really smart at business strategy. And both of them gave essentially this advice. If you're still doing the same job six months from now that you are right now as the owner of your business, you're stagnating. Mm. You should not be doing the same jobs year after year after year. Now, I do want to I do want to put a little asterisk on that for us in our industry. If you love teaching, yeah. And you are one of the teachers in the school. That is not what they're talking about. In that sense, you are truly choosing to be an employee of yourself as the owner. Okay? So, it's not what Perry is talking about. It's not what Peter's talking about. This is more the idea of as an owner if you're the person who three years ago was creating and checking and following up on all the invoices, and as of this month, you're still doing that job, that you mm-hmm. stagnated, that really you should you should have passed that off at a certain point. Um, similarly, if you're thinking, well, I, uh, you know, I can't afford it. I can't afford the assistant that I would need to do that. Well, then there's a job you probably should have been doing all this time, which is marketing and sales so that you grew to the point that you could afford that. And I'm not here to lay a guilt trip on anyone. Yeah, exactly. Building the margin. And that should be like job number one. Um, I think of the book uh, by uh, Jeff Finkel, I think it is. Yeah. Mm. Um, Scale, which is a book we've talked about before. I think we mentioned on that an early episode here, but they just talk about, hey, if you're stage one business, as CEO, your entire most of your job is marketing and sales, and right. you don't get to expand beyond that until you've mastered that role, um, to the point that you can actually systematize that, bring people on to start doing some of those tasks mm. for you, and that you've got kind of this marketing machine that's going on its own now. I'm kind of getting far afield here. Let me just bring it home and wrap it up by saying this: that um, again, the question was. How much longer do you plan to occupy your role slash work in your current capacity? And again, the theme of this episode, exit strategy, there are implications for now. Answer this question, not only for the long term, answer the question for, hey, let me look at what I'm doing right now. How can I make my job different in six months? What can I hand off? What needs to change? How is the business evolving? And mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that goes in with this question. Can I, question number three, who else is involved and or has a say in the direction of the company or your studio and what do they want right you have to ask yourself this question who else is involved and what are their needs and desires in your studio and i don't mean like your a plus teacher that's a an employee i mean do you have other partners like you know i have a co-founder at bmf and she has very real needs and desires and you know, together we need to honor that. We need to honor hers and mine, right? As we're growing this business. Final question is, if you could walk away today or tomorrow, what would your cell number be? In other words, if you were just going to step away from your studio in one month's time, and uh, what's the what's the dollar amount that you would be comfortable walking mm-hmm. away with? And I'm reminded of this you know, this happens in New York City because it's the most ridiculous real estate market. It's just absurd, right? Yeah. It's working at an absurd level, but this happens. You hear these stories all the time where someone comes up and knocks on your door and says, are you thinking about selling your home? And of course, anybody who knocks on your door, you're like, sorry, sir, this is a scam. Step away. Right. But they say, what's the number that you would walk away today with? And they'll literally just sit there and be like, I will write you a $2 million check right now if you're willing to part with your home. And so you hear these stories. And the crazy thing is you actually hear of people saying yes to them and then getting a cash offer and leaving their home. Of So the, the point is, this is actually a valid question for you in the studio you're building. Mm. Right? So 
not a lot of questions we need to answer. There's four solid questions. Um, yeah. And I'm ready and willing to share my answers of those four questions from a few years ago. And then uh, if you want, Daniel, we could just dive straight into that. Running a music school can be a challenge. You can only see so many students per week and it feels like you're trading time for dollars. Margins are small and you're always looking for qualified teaching staff. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way to see more students in less time while maintaining high educational standards for your school? Well, now you can with Piano Express from grouplessons.com. Piano Express is a new way to teach group piano, one that seamlessly combines a new innovative group method, technology, and industry-leading teacher training to make it easier and more profitable than ever to start group lessons in your studio. Piano Express allows you to see 12 students per hour per teacher, and over a decade of testing has shown that the gamified curriculum significantly increases student practice times and studio retention. To help you get started, the Piano Express method has a training course for you and your team. It's included when you use the system in your studio. Most schools can get their first class up and running in just a few weeks. So visit grouplessons.com to sign up for a free demo or use our calculator to see how much money your school can save each month by using Piano Express. I want to make a comment on number four there just very briefly, okay. and that is... If you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't even know what's realistic to sell my school for, I would just say, tune in next week. We're going to have a conversation yes. with Jeff Homer. And he actually goes into, this guy has bought over 40 music schools. He's mm -hmm. He's been the cash offer guy that's knocked on the door and said, totally. hey, I will buy your music school. <laughs> he has more... He has more experience with this than any other person I know and is probably a very rare individual in the last hundred years of our industry where we kind of moved to this private education model of, of teaching music to kids and adults um, who are interested. Point being that he has a lot to say about that and he will give you a very clear and concise answer on what you could expect to get from your school yes. based on a number of things that in information that you have in your possession that you can use that to calculate, oh, this is what my school is worth. And if there is a difference between what you would want to sell it for and what it's currently worth, well, then now you've defined your work. Now you've actually defined yes. and it's no longer a dream. It can actually become a project. It can actually become something that you work towards. So that's the only thing I'd say about question four there, Nate. And, you know, as we go into this other part, I would just say to everyone listening or if you're watching on YouTube, um, I think it's helpful to take the abstract questions and then hear how one person has actually answered them for themselves, which I think this is going to be really helpful for Nate to do and in this episode with. Um, so yeah, Nate, go for it. Yeah. Um, can we circle back on your last comment after I, sure. I, I read my answers? Because there's some really positive outcomes like you just stated from going through this exercise, you, mm. you, you turn something that feels abstract into a project. You give yourself real, um, real work to do, mm. which is much nicer than a fantasy that feels out of reach. Yeah. And if you <laughs> need guidance, if you need support on that project, Nate and I are here. Just reply yeah. to the email that you got this in, go to growyourmusicstudio.com, go to the contact form, send me a message. Um, we help school owners every single day who are moving on this journey, whether you want to sell or not, whether you're just trying to make the best business you possibly can and have this really great asset that you've built for yourself to do with whatever you want um, to be the kind of person that literally one of the people in our, um, in our coaching program this last year, literally what we were coaching her on is she is yeah. going to be away from her school for six months over the coming year in a mm -hmm. completely different country. And mm -hmm. we helped her get it to the point where she can run it from afar and we went really deep with her and her team on the systems they needed to have in place to make that a reality. And um, that's the kind of thing where, you know what, you can go out there, you can join one of these. And, you know, I'm not throwing stones at anybody or, or trying to say anything, but, you know, there are communities out there that you can join where you get a little information and it's a fun little happy community place and you can chat with other school owners. If you're serious, if you're serious about building an awesome business, that's where you kind of step it up and you're like, hey, I think I need individualized advice, individualized mentorship. 
um, you yeah, know, joining a, a joining a little paid face group or something like that just won't get you there. It won't. So anyway, reach out to us. Nate, go ahead. <laughs> okay, sweet. Totally. It's always, Daniel, it's always in my experience and your experience, because you and I talk a lot about this on our own, just as friends, but it's always a combination of valuable information you trust plus yep. implementation. And that implementation comes through the accountability of of a coach or just a community of of people that you really will actually answer to, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not you've done the work. This is an example of the work. We're saying, hey, you got to go through these questions. You got to mm-hmm. really give them thoughtful answers and you have to do it from an objective place. And of course, there's some subjectivity in this, what you want, but but you got to actually do the work. And I think that's what you're speaking to is like, yeah. when we say build a serious, it's like, can I quote succession? You are not serious people. the first question is what are you ultimately growing your business for this is what how i answered it i answered it years ago um so i feel comfortable sharing the answers because i'm going to say this right now that we are not the same people we were three years ago yeah right we change that's that actually that's the one the one constant is change so we have to be okay with doing this thought exercise answering these questions then putting them on the shelf and then revisiting them you know, a year, two, three years later, that's totally fine. Right. So here's where I was back in 2020. Um, I'm growing the business for a few reasons. I said, I want to establish a legacy of music education in Brooklyn that long outlasts my shelf life as an educator and mentor to young music teachers. So this is interesting to me because it's really important that I'm benefiting teachers. So I see myself as a coach to teachers providing curriculum and support so that they can be that that ripple effect. They, they can have a really powerful effect on their students. Um, I want to help establish a permanent home for generations of families to continue to benefit from our approach to music education. Talked at length about that, right? Game-based songwriting approaches. So that's it's valuable to me. I want to, and then number two, I want this to provide a launch pad, dig it, a launch pad, Daniel, for more business adventures. So much like you, Daniel, like I'm a basically realized I'm a serial entrepreneur. I like to build things, right? So I, I, I love to launch new ideas, um, new companies when it's appropriate. So I said, I want to launch pad. I want a launch pad to, 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 um, you know, for more business and want a, a curriculum company, an online global community. Hello, Daniel, here we are, 7FMS. <laughs> this is a music software company that's happening and a music retreat center. That has not happened yet, but it's definitely still on the list. Okay, and then finally, number three, what am I growing my business for? I'd like to sell a portion of my equity within five years and create the financial security to allow my wife to stop working and be able to live and work remotely with two to four months off the grid per per year for retreats, et cetera. So I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but but Jessica and I have a home. It's in this it's on a tiny island in northern Maine. It's remote. We love it. It's a it's a it's a refuge and retreat for me. Daniel, you and I were just talking, you might maybe you'll visit this season. But the point is is that's back then I was like, I want to make sure that that becomes a reality that I can be there for, you know, two to four months a year. Dig it. So that's Absolutely. what I'm growing the business for. That's what I was then. Uh, any questions, comments, concerns, or jokes, Daniel? Before I <laughs> go to number two. <laughs> no, no, keep going. Okay, number two. How much longer do I plan to occupy the role in my current capacity? Keep in mind, I answered this in early 2020. I would like so this is pre-COVID. I would like to replace myself as CEO, CFO, which is what I always consider myself. Um, of Brooklyn Music Factory by June of 2022. I intend to begin working remotely as CEO, CFO, four to six months per year by June of 2021. Clearly, that did not happen. I have not replaced myself, and I am not working remotely four to six months a year. I'll work remotely two months a year, but not the end goal. Um, And obviously... There were things outside of my control. Yeah, there are big changes that happened, and this is a yeah. couple years old. <laughs> so, but 
But notice how amazing it is to actually, I, I read that out loud. It's really beneficial to me to read, reread where I thought I needed to be by June of 2022 back then. And to now be like, huh, it's, you know, we're deep in 2023. Do I have clarity on my future? Right? Given all the changes that happen. Okay. Question number three, who else is involved or has a say in the direction of the company? What do they want? Well, my business partner, right? And, and my assessment of her wants and needs were the following. She desires a local business that provides a lifestyle allowing her to raise her children. Her children are much are younger, much younger than mine. So she's in a different chapter of life. She wants to work six hours per day tops. And then during the camp season, she's willing to, she's willing to work an eight-hour day. So she's the director of camp. She continues to be a total badass at it. We've had her on, well, I can't remember which podcast app, but if you want to learn more about her, um, we had her on in a previous episode talking about developing a profitable summer camp. Anyways, her main concern is that our Brooklyn music location, our Brooklyn location is operating efficiently and profitably. That was her main concern. So here's, let me discern that for our listeners for a moment. Because we were saying, who else has a stake in the company that I need to be aware of as I'm designing my future and my exit? And it's my partner. And notice that for Nate, it's about building new business opportunities, creating a, this software company, this curriculum company, et cetera. But that's not the same needs for my business partner. So I'm sort of balancing these and understanding that we can both actually get what we need out of the company, but we have to be clear about each other's needs. Dig it? Um, finally, uh -huh. number four, if I could walk away today or tomorrow, what would my cell number be? I'm, I'm not sure I'm supposed to actually read this out loud on a, on a public podcast, but I will because it was from years ago. This is a snapshot of where my head was. Um, again, Daniel, back to your point. Next uh, app, we're going to have Jeff Homer on. You know, Jeff is just literally like he was joking to us another time. He's like, I think somehow I've become the American expert on valuing music schools. Like nobody knows more about music schools and how to value them than Jeff does. And I would not argue with that at all. I think he's, you know, he's really, really sharp. He knows what he's talking about and he does it from a really objective standpoint. Um, anyways, I said I would sell this local business. And its assets. This is fascinating to me because I've definitely changed on this now. I would not answer this the same way um, today. But I would sell the local business and its assets for $1.5 And the assets are BMF Connect. That's our software, um, which, you know, it's a custom-built operation and learning management system. And then Big Music Games, which at the time we had an iOS app that we had hundreds, probably like thousands of people playing it. We, we've shut, since shut down the iOS app, but now we have a web app of big music games. Uh, and then finally, our club keyboard and our guitar book published curriculums. So I was, that was my number. I came up with a number. I did do actually do quite a bit of research in valuation at the time and how to come up with multiples and all that. That's a different episode. We're not getting into it. But the point is, at some point in early 2020, I had a dollar figure getting back to the house analogy. If someone came up with a suitcase full of cash, 1.5 million, and said, here you go, Nate, I would have strongly considered it. Dig it? So those are my four answers. Before I get into some of the real benefits that I find by going through these answers, we've touched on a bunch, but I want to share a few more. Uh, any thoughts, Daniel? No, go ahead. Okay, finally, you know, you go through all this thinking and you're like, well, okay, now I've got answers to questions. Notice how succinct those answers were, right? It wasn't like long run on. I mean, yeah. you've seen my Evernotes, dude. You were just commenting <laughs> my like 50 paragraph Evernote I sent you the other day. This one was very simple answers, right? Um, but the, so what's the benefit now of having this to look at? First mm -hmm. of all, getting back to your comment of creating a project out of it. Well, if I want to actually sell my business, for example, for that 1.5, then things need to be in order. My legal paperwork must be in order, right? My financial fluency must be at a level 
where I can actually share financial documents that are organized and that are clean and that are ready to present to a buyer. And so now I'm starting to get real projects for myself. Like, huh, you know, have I ever actually created that partnership agreement? Do I actually have that trademark? Do I actually, you know, these things, these, it, it now creates a research project for me around legal documenting. Okay. Um, and the financial piece is huge. I was mentioning this to you before. Like we've taught, we've done some really good episodes on financial fluency, but I understand income statements really, really well. I do forecasting really well. We share that with a lot of our seven FMS clients, right? We do a ton of work on forecasting where you'll be today, uh, where you'll be, you know, at the end of this year, where you'll be at the end of three years, et cetera. But my knowledge of balance sheets and really understanding equity uh, and understanding debt, et cetera, and figuring out that balance sheet, that was just not there in 2020. And so I've, I've invested a lot of time in trying to just improve, like close the knowledge gap, right? So now you have some projects. What are you going to work on? So another really positive outcome of doing the answering these questions is now you actually have, like, you've made a commitment, right? You've made a commitment to something. You've said, like, here's... I don't know when the thing will happen. I'm not saying exit strategy has to happen on this date. I'm just saying I'm committing to this vision for the company and for how I am going to exit the company or I am going to transition within the company. And so now you have some sort of parameters within which you can actually make clear decisions, which gets us back to those annual planning episodes. Right, Daniel? It's like now all of a sudden you're saying, I'm not just like dreaming. It's like, if I could have anything I wanted in the world, what would it be? Not that blue sky dreaming isn't a good idea, but it's like in terms of the company that you're building, the studio that you're building, now you said, okay, wait a minute. What's going to get me one step closer to say replacing myself as CFO, CEO? What has to happen there in order for that to maybe become a reality within three years? Now you're changing your annual plan for your company from just, I want to I get as many students as possible. We hear that all the time. Like yeah. Everybody's just like, I just want to enroll as many students as I can. And you're like, okay, but at what cost? Yeah. You know, like what's happening to your attrition rate? And I actually think that speaks to, yeah, such a good point there, Nate. Just even threw that in there right the last second. Um, but I do think that speaks to just, contextualizing this episode and what you just said into this bigger milieu, which is that I think when people are just starting out and beginning to think of their business as a company, you need to take it more seriously, so to speak. At that point, any forward movement, any action, it's low hanging fruit it will very likely turn out very well for you. So when we hear people coming to us and they want to have a 250 kid school and they have 50 right now, and they just say, hey, I want to enroll as many people as possible. And they don't even really have a marketing plan or marketing system in place. That's okay. I, I don't want, I, I don't want yeah. at, at that stage of the game. Or maybe right. if, if you have even, you know, more students than that, if, but as you get more sophisticated, you start asking yourself questions like the ones that Nate has presented in this episode and th- there needs to be some maturity that comes along with owning the business longer. And, mm. you know, just saying like, oh, yeah, I want to enroll more students. Okay, well, how many are you enrolling? How many, how many leads are you getting per month? You know, I don't know. How many people are coming to your funnels? I don't really know. I don't keep track of that. Um, yeah. Do you keep track of like the names of people? Ah, you know, some are in my email, some are on scraps of paper on my desk, some are on post-it notes. Okay. Like when I hear that from someone who has a school that has like 100, 150, 200, that's when I start to kind of get a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that back to your systems, yeah. right? Like yeah. are we building a lasting business that can actually facilitate some sort of change in your life, lifestyle, et cetera? Um. So I, I had sort of underlined this thing in my Evernote in my answers to those questions that I'm, you know, I'm just reading out of my own personal Evernote. Uh, I, it, I just, I wrote something that the quality of my actions or our actions will improve once I have some more clarity and commitment, right? The quality of my actions, 
and I think this is huge, and this, this is just doubling down on your last point, Daniel. It's like the action to take isn't always just to call back that latest lead as fast as possible. That's not always a quality action, actually. That quality action in that moment might be to actually organize all your leads back to the scraps of paper comment that you made and to say, wait a minute, I'm just like, my funnel is so leaky right now that the person who just reached out to me four days ago, I've already forgotten about, right? So there's a quality of action there that comes if you say, stated as a commitment that I will no longer leak any leads out of my funnel within six months, you know? Okay, so yeah, the last benefit, real benefit, I think, before we kind of got to kind of go to that final meta benefits, which is that once you start having a clear vision, you're like, this is where I'm going to take the company, then you actually get to practice communicating that vision. And it's radically different to show up every day to your studio or your school and be prepared to teach lessons. It's radically different to show up as the person who's prepared to share the vision as well as teach a great lesson. This is where we intend to get this studio. This is how we intend to transform this community in this studio. And this is what this, how many people this studio is going to serve within three years. You know, like a BMF line that we use all the time is that we intend to inspire 100,000 original songs by 2030. And I say that out loud regularly because that's a very clear commitment that we have that's linked to the curriculum company and also our local school and training teachers and definitely linked to the work we do, Daniel. Like whether or not the school owners we work with are a songwriting program, there's still an element of inspiring students, some of whom may go on and compose. So that is linked to my, you know, to my sort of heart-centered desire around what music education can do and what being a business owner can do. So right. yeah, the being able to be practice your vision and communicating it regularly is a hella good skill to develop. Right? Being able to practice that. And you can't practice that if you have no clarity on where you're supposed to go. <laughs> Because you're changing your vision every month. Mm. Okay, I'm ready to wrap with just a couple of bigger bullets that are sort of more, maybe they're more succession-y. Like if you intend to follow through on whatever exit strategy you come up with or came up with through answering these questions, then what you're actually saying is, I'm going to build value into this company that extends way beyond me as the value. And is also, it extends beyond just thinking about your exit. It helps you now. I know I've it, kept beating that drum, but I'm yes. going to beat it again. I love it. The next is that there is a default exit to your company if you don't do this exercise. Yeah. If you don't think through this, something's going to happen to your studio, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Dig it. This is back to my friends who, you know, they went bankrupt and they were shocked that it actually happened to them. Mm-hmm. That was a default that they never intended. They weren't actively, I mean, they may have been, and it'd be interesting to get them on this podcast sometime to talk about it, but they weren't proactively defending against bankruptcy because they'd never just actually written that down, that that could actually happen. Yeah. And I, I just yeah. have to say, like, again, I said this earlier in the episode, but the default, the default future, that's actually a concept that one of my coaches really uh, impressed upon me that we can be passive. Yes. That's our right. We can internally grate against how this world is an entropic world, that things do break down and that we, that energy has to be put into things. We can internally rail against that, but when you fight against reality, you lose 100% of the time. And I would just say that the sooner you start taking these questions seriously, the sooner you're probably on the pathway towards having a much more peaceful experience of your career presently 
mm. and a better outcome later. Yeah. Love it. No question. Um, the final piece, and this is where it gets, it can be dark, but actually I view this as a very um, motivating uh, comment, which is that if I don't plan actually for my death, that the business will simply fall into chaos. And I'm going to keep it very real. I wrote this in my note when I was answering these questions, is that it is my responsibility to leave this business to Jessica if I pass in a state where she could actually do something with it and get value out of it. Mm. Right? I, we don't like, I mean, let's just be really clear. A, we will someday no longer be on this planet. B, we actually have no idea when that will be. Those are the mm. only certainties in period. Yeah. So we just don't know, regardless Definitely. of how much effort, yeah. like, you know, Daniel, you and I are putting into being around for as long as possible for our loved ones. We don't know this. So hey. from this, you know? Yeah, it's death and taxes, man. <laughs> death and taxes. And even taxes, honestly, there are plenty of people that have gotten good at avoiding them. <laughs> so, so, but... But what I want to, the reason why it's inspiring to me is because I think about the person who could be benefiting from this entity. Mm. And, you know, it's my children or it's, it's my wife. And so it's, I, I don't want to abdicate that responsibility. I want to create a studio or in, in this case, a, you know, a multi-teacher school slash curriculum company, et cetera, that if I were to, if I were no longer to be able to you know, serve as CEO, CFO, and couldn't support the school, that I would leave it in a good enough organized shape that's, that others could get value out of it. Mm. And frankly, if nothing else inspires you to at least answer those four questions, I hope that does. <laughs> because mm. you're building something of value. If you're, if you're taking the time to listen to our podcast here, you're definitely building something that could be very valuable a really valuable asset and it's not just to you could mm. be to others. So that's what I got for you, Daniel. I'm, I've, I've read you my entire Evernote of answers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is the place to, to say, say this, but something you were saying there in that final point just reminded me, this was maybe 10 years ago. Mm. It was on a podcast, um, a gal named Chanel Reynolds. She and her husband were in their late thirties, early forties. And he was suddenly killed. And he had been in charge of a certain number of things in the household. And she had been and, yeah. and in the chaos following his very untimely and sudden death. I think he was in a car accident or something like that. Mm. She said, like, I was dealing with all this grief and all these sorts of things. And then our lives started falling apart because I didn't know where. I didn't know where th th this, how to get into this account. I didn't have passwords for this sort of thing. And totally. on top of all the stress was this other thing. And so she created a site. It's called get your shit together.org. Nice. And um, it, she actually created a checklist of things oh, that I like she that. wished that she had done. And I actually printed this out and my wife and I went through it together. Like here's the safety deposit box key. This is, passwords to my accounts, passwords to your accounts, like all these sorts of things so that if the unthinkable happened, we were prepped for it. Don't know why it came to mind after all these years, but I think it's kind of the same idea except for your business, you know, just um, being thoughtful, being a, I don't know, it's a wake up call. We don't like to think about this stuff, but Hey, you know we what? We, we cover the hard topics, Nate. That's what we do here <laughs> we on this do. podcast. I feel like that should be our, you know, cause we're, we're, uh, we're working on this uh, new, sort of business blueprint mastermind that's totally badass. And I wonder if our new, our website should be get your, what, get your shit together, get your music school together.org. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make a checklist to be yeah. sure that if the unthinkable happened, that you'd have your shit together. So, um, okay, well that, I find this topic to be super inspiring for me. And frankly, mm -hmm. the last time I answered those questions was in 2020. So might time be to do time it again. for, for yeah. me to hit them up again this summer. It's never, it, it isn't always a fun process. It isn't always an easy process. Mm. You know, you mentioned a couple minutes ago that your, your examples that you gave about 20 minutes ago 
you could say them like that. Yeah. But the thought that has to go into making them that simple, that is the work of days or yes. weeks of really thought thoughtful thinking. And the truth is, is it's just easier not to do it. And every year I have to uh, push myself to 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 take those take the long term view to do the annual planning to think about the future, mm-hmm. but you know um, the only way to predict the future is to create it, and the only way you're ever going to do that is to plan, and the only way yeah. you're ever going to do that is to be really thoughtful about and be very specific about the the outcome you want. Doesn't mean you'll get it. Doesn't mean it's promised to you. Doesn't mean it's guaranteed. But I don't know of a way to tip the odds in your favor to create the kind of future you want for yourself, your family, people you love, your school, your colleagues, your employees. I don't know way I don't know a way to put the odds in your favor to creating the thing you want other than to do what we've talked about here and in our annual planning episodes. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I think that you, you you that comment you made of like you're not guaranteed to get the outcome. I was not guaranteed to get the outcome. I had no idea that the the world was going to shift the way it did yeah. when I when I made these answers. Um, but you know what I was guaranteed was a different type of action mm. that I was going to take because I, because we spent the time, like what you yeah. said, we spent the time to think more clearly. And then I spent the time to surround myself with people that held me accountable to that commitment. I mean, I, yeah. I, I've mentioned this to you before, but it, at some point you sent me this great, um, audio series on commitment that was really a straightforward piece i can't yeah. remember that i can't remember the dude who who but all anyway. in by chris doris yes and i listened to that sucker like a dozen times you gave it to me and i listened to it a bunch and and the premise is so straightforward it's like okay if you have clarity of purpose you've defined an outcome whether you're going to get it or not are you committed to it or not yeah you know so i think that that's i, I appreciate that you say you're not, we're not guaranteed to get the outcome, but at least we're guaranteed to um, make quality actions based on an outcome that we imagine. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.